Hello and welcome to Hosanna. I'm Pastor Jen Alexander and please hear me say, we believe the Lord led you here to help you grow in faith and look a little more like Jesus. After today's message, we encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. I love being with all of you. It's good to be with you this morning at all four of our campuses, as well as those of you joining us live or later online. We believe the Lord led you here. If this is your church home, just a friendly pastoral reminder uh, to bring your tithes and your offerings before the Lord here at Hosanna. You know, I was thinking of my grandpa, Ralph, uh, who taught me to tithe when I was 20 years old. He lived to be 103, um, and he, but he would say, Ryan, that first 10%, it's not even yours. It just passes right through your bank account uh, into the Lord's storehouse, and, uh, and so I've tried to live that way ever since. And, um, and my grandpa, Ralph, he did live to be 103. Sometimes he had a lot, sometimes he had a little but he was always grateful, and he always felt blessed. And that's what I want for all of you when we talk about tithing. So bless you. We are in a journey, started in January. We're going through December. We think that's the plan anyway, called the bigger story. Going through the Bible from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation. And it's been quite a journey so far. We've been hitting mega themes along the way, not necessarily verse by verse or book by book or chapter by chapter, but mega theme by mega theme. And the mega theme we're going to talk about for the next two weeks is a topic that's been, really, it's been cooking on my heart for well over a year. In fact, even, even now, God's still kind of writing it and working it out. I think some of what's going to come out this morning, I haven't even written on paper yet, but it's, it's just going to come. And the topic, this topic that I think is going to apply to everyone at some level, is the topic of grief. Everyone say good grief. Good grief. Thanks, Charlie Brown. Know yeah. <laughs> that to him. Grief is a topic that you can find throughout Scripture. Really, we could have talked about it at any point along the way, up to this point in the bigger story journey or after, because it's present throughout the Bible. Just to name a few examples, um, Adam and Eve, one of their sons is killed by another son. Cain kills Abel, they grieve. Uh, we, we see King David grieving over his son Absalom. Uh, Jacob, one of the patriarchs, he grieves over the loss of his son Joseph, who he thinks is dead, but actually uh, has been sold into slavery by his other brothers. And, and then there's Job, who loses everything. He, he grieves losing everything. And then the New Testament, we see it too. The story of Jesus. King Herod, when Jesus is born, orders that all children under the age of two, Jewish children under the age of two, be killed, slaughtered, in an attempt to kill this threat to Herod, King, ba uh, King Jesus, this baby. And so mourning is heard throughout the land, it says, Matthew 2. Jesus grieves the loss of his friend Lazarus. In fact, that verse, you want to memorize a verse? You can do it. Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. You even you can memorize that Bible verse, right? And and then Jesus' followers they grieve his death on the cross. Only because they thought it was over at that point. Three days later, though, he comes back to life, which they weren't expecting. And then forty days later, he leaves them again at the ascension. It's hard enough to lose someone once, but to lose him twice, you think, oh, he's back, and then he's leaving again. Sends into heaven. 
They're left looking into heaven. We read about in Acts chapter one, which is where we are in the bigger story. Jesus ascending into heaven. In a couple weeks, we're gonna talk about the early church and Pentecost. But right now, we're gonna stop and pause to talk about this topic of grief. You can find anywhere in the Bible, I I think, though, this is a good time to talk about it now, culturally, currently. Next weekend's Memorial Day weekend. It's a time to grieve. This Wednesday marks the two-year anniversary of George Floyd's death. Time to grieve. Uh, May is Mental Health Month. And so we typically, in May, stop to talk about something related to mental health. And I am convinced, down to my toes, that just about every struggle with mental health right now relates to this topic of grief. I mentioned a couple of ways we can grieve death, losing someone we care about, but it's not just about death, grief. In fact, I want to expand our understanding of grief and define it this way, that grief occurs anytime there is loss, disruption, or change. We haven't experienced any of that the last couple years, have we? Like nonstop. I've talked to so many people who say, you know, I just feel a little off. I can't quite explain it. Or I feel kind of numb or distant or down. I've talked to so many couples who are struggling in their marriage right now. Teenagers experiencing unprecedented numbers of depression and isolation, loneliness. The last two years have done a number when it comes to loss, disruption, and change. We're We're all experiencing that in some way. Just to widen the tent. And just so you know, I'm not talking about this from outside. I, I think I'm experiencing it. Off and on over the last couple of years, I, I've struggled with bouts of insomnia. I think there's some grief that I'm working through. It's part of it. And grief comes in all shapes and sizes. There is the grief that we typically think about, losing a loved one. But sometimes it's grief over saying goodbye to a pet. We had to do that over this past year. Our family. Uh, Sometimes it's the loss or the end of a relationship or a change with a job. Even good change, sometimes we have to grieve what's behind in order to step into the new. I think we have to grieve sometimes that life didn't go how we thought it would go. You know, like those, those unrealized dreams, those unmet expectations. I thought my life was going to be like this, and it wasn't, and so there's a need to grieve. Grieving the end of an era, the end of an era. Right now, we've got a bunch of pictures from the last 12 years or so on an external hard drive, and I'm taking those pictures, and I'm moving them over to Amazon Photos, and uh, I, I'll hit some of those pictures of our boys when they were five, six, seven years younger, and I just, I start to tear up, like, yeah, where's that seven-year-old, you know? Grief, the end of an era. You, you parents of grads, right? I mean, you're, you're excited that they're graduating, right, at some level, maybe even really excited, I don't know. <laughs> but you're also grieving, hey, I was just holding this baby, 
I'm just sending them off to kindergarten or her. And now they're leaving the house eventually. <laughs> There's grief. See, grief comes in all shapes and sizes. And, and I'm convinced that just to widen this net, that it's hitting us all at some level, some more than others at this point in our lives. We will all experience it in a very real, direct way at some point in our life. And certainly we find ourselves walking alongside people. So this topic is relevant for everybody. And here's, here's the thing, though. I don't think generally as a society or even as a church, we're very good at this. I don't think we're very good at grieving. I think we tend to do one of two things. We either kind of stuff it, deny it, you know, bottle it up, or we absorb it and we internalize it. We get overcome by it, overwhelmed by it. We stay stuck in it, drowning in it. We, we tend to do one of those two things. And in God's word, in the bigger story, he offers us an alternative to those two options, a, a way forward when it comes to grief, a way through grief, not denying, not absorbing, internalizing, staying stuck, but a way through it. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying that after this message, whatever you're grieving, you're gonna just feel all better and everything's fine. That's not how it works. It's a process. But I do believe God wants to show us, point us to a path, a way forward. And what we're gonna talk about over the next couple of weeks is this lost biblical art of lament. Everyone say lament. Lament. Lament is the biblical process for working through grief and loss and change and disruption. Defined, lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. The, the Hebrew word literally means to wail. To wail. A passionate expression of grief or loss. Is God okay with that? Not only is he okay with that, he seems to encourage it. It's just like it's a critical part of us working through the losses that we experience in our lives. Two-thirds of the Psalms, the book of Psalms, which is arguably the most read book of the Bible of all time, two-thirds can be considered lament Psalms. There is a book called Lamentations, an entire book of the Bible about lamenting, about passionately expre express expressing grief and loss. In fact, I just want to read a few verses from this. Now, the context here, again, grief. The Israelites have just been conquered by the Babylonians, their whole city, their beloved temple, their way of life. They're, many of them are displaced, sent into exile in Babylon. They are grieving. Listen, verse 1. Jerusalem, once so full of people, is now deserted. She who was once great among the nations now sits alone like a widow. Once the queen of all the earth, she is now a slave she sobs through the night. Tears stream down her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there is no one left to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her and become her enemies. Judah has been led away into captivity, oppressed with cruel slavery. She lives among foreign nations and has no place of rest. Her enemies have chased her down, and she has nowhere to turn. The roads to Jerusalem are in mourning, for crowds no longer come to celebrate the festivals. The city gates are silent. Her priests groan. Her young women are crying. How bitter is her fate. 
I'll stop there, but it goes on for five chapters of that. If you're looking for some pleasure reading. <laughs> Lament. Do you hear the passionate expressions of grief and loss and confusion? Pain. For the next two weeks, we're going to look at this pathway, this pattern of lament, really three phases to it. And by the way, don't try to turn this into a formula or a fixed timeline. It doesn't work like that. But if we're going to work through grief, we have to go through these three phases at some level. And they are expressing pain, waiting, we love that, and letting the old birth the new. Again, not a formula or a timeline. It's different for everybody. But this is, again, Charlie Brown, good grief. How to work through grief. And it starts with acknowledging pain, it, it, identifying the pain that we're feeling, expressing that pain. Like lamentations, crying out, lament leads to wail, to express. And this first phase, when we're doing that, we're, we're expressing, we're internalizing, we're beginning to expel the pain that we're carrying. We're beginning to dislodge what's clogging things up inside of us. We're unclogging the drain. I've used this illustration before. But this, in case you didn't know, is a hair snake. <laughs> Uh, about a few years ago, our, our drain was clogged, and I tried everything. I tried Drano, you know, hot water, Drano, and I poured gas and lit it on fire. No, I didn't do that, but I tried everything. And then finally said, have you tried one of these, a hair snake? No, I haven't tried that. Put it down there, and up came the soap scum and the long brown hair. My wife has brown hair. I'm not throwing her under the bus pulled it up, and, and it started to open things up, and it started to flow, right? By the way, there's a great YouTube video of, of someone who's pretending to do one of those how-to videos with these, and it's actually, it's a parody, and he gags every time. It's too, it's too much. I can't watch it because of my own experience, too much trauma. But anyway, that's what lamenting does. It starts to unclog the drain when we express and we cry out and we say, this is hard, this hurts. This isn't what I had in mind. This isn't what I expected. This was, isn't what my life was supposed to be. We cry out. Now, what keeps us from doing this? This is that, that first phase of lamenting is, is identifying, acknowledging, expressing pain. And again, I think this is where we get tripped up in our society and even in the church. We hear messages that, that go against this biblical principle of, of expressing pain. I want to talk about three barriers to lamenting. Messages that we hear and sometimes say, we need to watch this. Don't become the barrier. First one is, just be strong. Just be strong. Right? If I just, just, you know, chin up, stiff upper lip, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, just be strong. We live in a culture, and even sometimes, unfortunately, Christianity can send the message that, that weakness and vulnerability, expressing pain, is, isn't okay. It's looked down upon in our society. Well, let's read the Bible and see what, what it says. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. 
says, my, now here it's God speaking, God's power works best in weakness. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Our strength begins not when we just say, be strong, I can be strong on my own. It begins when we acknowledge that we're weak, that we're hurting, that we're vulnerable, that it's hard. That starts to unclog the drain a little bit and allow the waters to flow like, okay, God can move in that. When we're just trying to be strong on our own, clogs the drain. Here's another one. Rejoice at all times. Rejoice at all times. No matter what's happening, just rejoice in it. It is fine. It's great. Rejoice at all times. Now, there's scripture to support that. We need to look at the whole picture. Sometimes that gets translated. Just turn your frown upside down. You know? Always look at the bright side of life. Right? That's not the whole biblical message. It has to be held in tension with Psalm 31, 10 says, I am dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. This isn't an either or. It's a, it's, it's a both and that joy and lament somehow coexist, aren't mutually exclusive in, in God's kingdom. Ecclesiastes says there's a time to mourn and a time to dance. There's a time to grieve, a time to mourn, and there's a time to dance. The Apostle Paul, uh, again, later on um, in his life, in Romans 5, he says that I have even come to rejoice in my suffering. Now that comes from having experience after experience in Paul's life of seeing how God works in the midst of suffering. The rest of that passage in Romans 5 says that he, he's come to learn that suffering produces Endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. He knows that on the other side of suffering, something, something good will come out of it, but he's not saying just turn that frown upside down and always look at the bright side of life. It, 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 even that word rejoice in suffering, it, it, it actually means literally to exalt God, not to rejoice like I'm just so happy about this, but to lift God up or to give it to God in the midst of your suffering, to lift it up to God, to give it up to God. We, we need to know that there are times when we don't feel like being happy about it. We don't feel like rejoicing it, and yet God is still working in the midst of it. It's a deep resolve. The last barrier is, is this one. Feelings are bad. We hear that message. Feelings are bad. They're wrong. They're scary. We can't, we, sh we can't trust them. We shouldn't even listen to them. Now, as a child of the 80s, I learned this isn't true because Star Wars told me it wasn't true, all right? Obi-Wan Kenobi to Luke, trust your feelings, Luke. <laughs> trust your feelings. Now, let's be clear. We know that as followers of Jesus, we shouldn't trust in our feelings, right? We trust in God, we shouldn't even always trust our feelings. Sometimes our feelings mislead us. We shouldn't always act on our feelings. In fact, sometimes acting on our feelings, just doing whatever I feel like, will cause us more pain and grief. That's all true. But to take it all the way and say, well, we should just totally ignore our feelings and pretend like they're not there, isn't the whole story. 
God created us with feelings. He gave us feelings. And apparently part of what it means to be created in his image is to have feelings. God feels. You read the Bible, it's all over the place. God feels anger and sorrow and gladness and grief. Look at Genesis 6, 6 says, the Lord was grieved in his heart. God grieved, created in his image. Jesus wept. Did he do that as one who was fully God or fully human? And I would say, yes, God grieved. And Jesus has the perfect example of humanity, grieved. He wept over the death of his, son, of his friend Lazarus. Feelings aren't just something to get over. They're, they're gifts on one level. They, they are pointing us to something that's going on inside of us. We feel anxious. We feel afraid. We feel sad. We feel glad. Like it's, they're pointing us to something inside of us. They're pointing us to something that God wants us to do beyond those feelings. I heard a great quote recently. I can't remember exactly who it was, so if it was one of you, sorry. Um, but that feelings are indicators, not dictators. Hmm. They indicate what's going on, what we're feeling, what needs to be expressed, what needs to be lamented. But they're not meant to be dictators, you know, ultimately, that they just control our lives and we stay there. And we're not supposed to get stuck in our feelings, but we will get stuck if we don't acknowledge our feelings and express them and use them the way God intended. Lots of barriers, and, and again, I would say this, just to those of you gently, lovingly, if you're walking with someone through grief, don't be a barrier by saying these things. Hey, just look at the bright side. You think, well, I gotta say something, and we end up saying things that aren't always helpful. Oftentimes, with walking with someone who's grieving, it's best to just not say anything. Just to walk with them, just to be present. Just to know that someone is with them. Ultimately, we have to go through grief, whatever it is, big or small. Can't go around it, over it. Got to go through it. So I just want to share a few thoughts from people. That would better than me just talking about what it's like to share from a few people who are going through grief right now, who have been through grief. Someone who went through a divorce not that long ago, he said, finally, he just, he had to face the feelings, face the emotions. He got away for a couple weeks into the mountains, which means he left Minnesota. Just to feel and to work through it, to lament. Talked to someone who recently lost a spouse. He said, this is so important. Similar to what I was saying earlier, he said, it's a both and. I have hope in the resurrection of Jesus. I know that my wife has, is with Jesus. And at the same time, this hurts like hell. It hurts so deep. He said, sometimes all I can do is like Paul talks about, pray because I don't have the words to express, just groan, just pray with groans that words cannot express. It's a both and, and I, it's really important as we walk with people at pastoral, as I talk to people, yes, there is hope in the resurrection and we, we can hold on to that and it's unshakable and we have to grieve the fact that that person is not with us here now. We have to deal with the real feelings there. It's a both and. 
said, as I've been working through grief, I know there's pain, I know there's fear, I know there's uncertainty, he said, but I just keep walking through it, through it one, one step at a time with God and with others. Someone else who's experienced lots of loss and disruption and change over the last 10 years in all kinds of ways, he said, don't stuff it, but don't force it. Eh? Kind of the two directions we tend to go. Don't force it, don't stuff it. He said, dance with it. Like grief's something you have to dance with. It comes, it goes, you step in, you step out. You, it's, non, it's, it's non-linear. Right? You just you gotta dance with it. He said, be honest with God. Because if anyone understands grief and loss, it's him. He lost his son. His, one, his precious son endured a painful death on the cross. He knows the pain of loss and disruption. And so does that son. Jesus grieves. We've heard about him grieving over Lazarus. Jesus wept. Jesus grieves over Jerusalem. He says, ah, oh, Jerusalem, how I long to just pull you into my, my heart just grieves for how lost and hurting you are. I, I long to pull you in. He laments personally in the garden. Like, this pain is so excruciating. He's sweating blood. Like, God, if possible, take this from me. He cries out, lament, Jesus. On the cross, he quotes a lament psalm. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knows what it's like to grieve and to experience loss, to lament. And he did it for you. He went all through all of that for you. So that you could know that someone is walking with you. I love this psalm that God is close to the brokenhearted, part because he loves us all and especially tender toward those who are brokenhearted. But he's also close to the brokenhearted because he knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to lament. And so he's close to that experience. Wherever this message hits you, would you hear that? You're not alone. God is close to you. He knows. He can even identify with, empathize with the loss that you're feeling. God is with you. We're all grieving something big or small. And uh, I just want to mention, we're going to get more into this in the coming weeks, but I just want to mention four pillars of lamenting. Like if we're going to go through this, what are the four pillars? And, and I was praying about this part of the message. I just sense those four pillars form you know, tent stakes and, the, and this tent that kind of covers us as we go through. And they are prayer, promises, people, and patience. Pastors were hopelessly addicted to alliteration, all right? But prayer, to cry out to God, cry out. The, the Psalms are filled with examples. And, and it's not like they have it all worked out either, that it's all pretty or cleaned up. They're crying out, God, where are you? Strike down my enemies. I mean, these are real, raw expressions of lament. Part of working it through, not where to end, but it's part of working it through. What does that look like for you? Promises, knowing God's promises, many of which I mentioned, I've mentioned already. 
clinging to those. One of the people I mentioned earlier goes, I am clinging to God's promises, the one who lost a spouse right now. And he said, if you wanna tell people how to prepare for suffering that will one day come, grief, loss, tell them to get those promises into them. I'm thinking about that right now with my boys. Like, what are the promises I wanna get into them so that they have those to cling to? People, people that we can reach out to for help. I, I have to admit, I'm not good at that all the time. But God's saying, no, Ryan, you need to reach out to people too. So I've been trying to do that with friends. And we, we can share the load, share the burden together. We can lament with people. Sometimes we need to do so professionally and, and seek counseling and therapy. There's no shame in that. You've heard me say, well, if you're new, you haven't, I've, I've been through lots of counseling in my life, even recently. Some of it working through this theme of grief and loss in my own life. Seek that help. It's why we want people in community groups so that they can have people not just to grow spiritually with, but to grieve and lament with when those times come. And then lastly, patience. I wish I could tell you that this would just be over like that. Whatever it is that you're grieving and working through, it takes patience, waiting. When will it end? We don't, we don't know. We just have to keep walking it out with God, trusting he's there, that we're not alone, crying out to him, acknowledging that, unclogging the drain, one bit at a time. And we'll talk more next week about how to be proactive and intentional during that waiting. But for now, hear this promise. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. And then hear this promise too. God is making all things new. Whatever it is that you're going through, we can know that he is making all things new. We have to wait, some patience. He's making all things new. And we're gonna close this time by practicing what I just preached. Express some lament. In the Bible, there's personal lament and there's corporate lament. Corporate lament is when we lament with others and we lament for something together or we lament with another group of people and what they're going through, which by the way, I would be remiss not to mention that we need to be lamenting with the black community right now. What happened in Buffalo I know my black friends, it triggers all kinds of trauma and anxiety when something like that happens. And as the body of Christ, we need to lament with them. If that's you, we lament with you what you're going through. We grieve with you. We empathize with you. We call evil, evil. We stand up with you. And so we're gonna lament corporately first. And we're gonna do simply by just saying three times together, we lament we lament, we lament. And then I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna give a pause, and then I'm gonna give you a chance to let that thing, and there's nothing too small to lament, by the way. That clogs up the drain too. Think, oh, it's too small. Loss, disruption, or change that you need to lament. You need to cry out to God, and then we'll say together, I lament, I lament, I lament, okay? Holy Spirit, come. There are lots of groups of people we could lament with, right now.
But recently, this event in Buffalo, I'm going to stand with our black friends and brothers and sisters and black community and lament with them. So hear us as we say these words together. We lament. We lament. We lament. Now, God, that, that one thing, I sense that for, for some, it's been decades. We just haven't. We've stuffed it. We've denied it. And, and it's time to bring that before you, to exalt that, to lift that to you. For some, it's a recent, it's, an, it's a current thing. Lord, I pray for all those, every single one of us, maybe in ways we don't even realize, we're being affected by loss, disruption, and change. And I believe spiritually, prophetically, as we say these words together, that something, even just a little bit, will be dislodged. As we move on this path of lament, I hear us say these words together. I lament. I lament. I lament. And now let's read these verses, or this verse, from a lament psalm together. Psalm 6. Read with me. The Lord has heard my cry. The Lord accepts my prayer. It's true. Amen. Obviously, a message like this is going to stir up something or a lot, depending on where you are in life, because there's only three places you can be. You're either going into a storm, you're in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. If you go to our website, you go to our app, we have a page full of resources. For some of you, you are in the thick of it right now, and you're just like, I need something, I need something to do that will start to help that resource page will help you. Maybe for some of you, you realize maybe you didn't process the grief that you have gone through as well as you can. These resources can help you. So please, if, if you're struggling with something, uh, that's a great next step that you can take. And then after the service, uh, our prayer team members will be down front or in the, the prayer room that's in this back corner here. Believe me when I say they want to pray with you and for you for whatever you may be going through right now. That's what it means to be part of the church together. But in the meantime, please stand and as you leave, receive this ancient blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. God's blessings. We'll see you next week.